No, so there's this author, a researcher, scientist, Arthur C. Brooks. You can find him online. He wrote for the Atlantic, New Yorker. He also has a, a great TikTok. He talks about the decline, man, in fluid intelligence. It's like when you hit, you start to kind of free fall in being great at what you were great at all the way up through your life. Like this, the decline in your 40s. I'm 43. I tried to title this thing Frutility. What the hell is a frutility? I meant futility. Damn it. Cross the Streams podcast, Kip here. This is episode 20 of season six. This is going to be our last episode for this season. If you listen to this episode and then go to the end of it, I'll explain you know what to expect from us over the next couple months. But hoop season's starting. Uh, so I got to make sure I'm devoting my energies to all the different hats I wear. And unfortunately, the podcast just can't be part of that focus uh, for the next couple months. So we'll explain that later. But this one's called Parenting and Futility. Um, and so I, I'm going to share some personal stuff from, from our house. Our, Kelly and I are, are parents of three wonderful kids. And I want to share a story uh, and hopefully find some connection with people listening, either in the, the stress of it, in maybe some of the solutions we searched for, or maybe just some of the overall broad picture thinking of parenting um, that, that we went through. So parenting in futility. So most of you know that our youngest, Xavier, uh, he's 10, 10 years old, and, and he's special needs. He was diagnosed with autism, I want to say when he was four, uh, maybe when he was five. Uh, but, you know, throughout his, our journey with him, um, there's been struggles. You know, there's been great highs and, and really low lows. And uh, I think I described it on one of the episodes as a uh, constant reward of challenges uh, because every single day with him is amazing. And also, it's hard, man. I don't want to, this is not a blame to him by any means, but as a parent, it's tough. And, and I think this story kind of highlights some of that. So this, you don't necessarily have to have a child on the spectrum like we do um, to resonate uh, with what I'm going to talk about. I think it just, it kind of brought up in me emotions. And then my emotions led to trying to <laughs> use my brain to explain to my heart what it was thinking. I don't know if that always is successful either. Um, but yesterday... You know, first of all, before I get into the the deep dive story here, some of this is, you know, entirely credit to my wife because, you know, in this, as we're getting closer to the season, I'm not around the way I want to be um, all the time with to get, you know, I get to see the kids in the morning um, and I get to be the one to make sure they get all to school, which is a, you know, a blessing in and of itself that I have that time because I know some dads and moms out there don't even get that time. So uh, I want to be cognizant of the fact that some of this is for a third party story relation because they, Zavi told this to Kelly first. So he, he's been going to fifth grade and it's only like two or three weeks into the school year. And his usual setup is go to the school, elementary school, Lee elementary school, and then try to get through the, the classroom setting of fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, second, all the way through and have pullouts throughout the day with the LRC team. Um, that's over there. You know, and some days he doesn't need the pullouts. Other days he does. And we're grateful for all the work that all the teachers do over there and all the specialists that, that try to help Xavier get navigate the day in his unique way. Um, but yesterday he came home and he told Kelly that he didn't want to go back to fifth grade, that he didn't want to go back to school. And that's not like him. You know, he might be in a behavior or something, but he's usually pretty excited because it's part of his schedule. And I, I think he generally is a very social kid. He likes to be in the classroom, at least up until this point. And he told his mom, 
I don't want to go back to fifth grade because I don't have any friends. And, you know, that was like a dagger for us as fan, as, as, as parents, you know, day to day to him, I think we've gotten, I've gotten to the point, at least I don't want to speak for Kelly, where I, maybe I'm comfortable as a dad that he's not physically in danger anymore. You know, especially, I don't think he's at the point in his experience with autism where he's going to cause his own harm as much as when the early years before the diagnosis and even before some of the um, card autism behavior therapy stuff and work and maturation, etc. So maybe I was relaxing as a dad because I don't have the same anxieties about what could possibly happen to him that I don't have the same worries about Lincoln and Leah, although, you know, Lincoln's most recent diabetes di diagnosis. Let's just say uh, everybody listening to the podcast knows Kip has anxiety disorder. So we've been making sure we make our usual appointments with our with our therapist and make sure we take our medication the way we're supposed to. But I think I forgot, I got to this comfortable point with him that I forgot that this autism thing is completely out of my hands, you know, socially, emotionally. Um, and, I, and it brought up this worry that I've always carried, and I think Kelly would probably echo this, although I, I'm sure she'll respond to this and if she doesn't, but I, I'm pretty sure we both have always been worried about, will he find companionship? Uh, as he grows up, um, I, it also brought up in me some anger, um, just, you know, raging at the, at the sun, so to speak, because, you know, I can't go yell at fifth graders. Hey, you have to be friends with my son. You can't do that. It's not on those kids fault. There's no malicious intent here that I know of. Um, you know, if these fifth grade kids were going through their own maturation process, if they're able to tolerate his differences and uh, some of the behaviors that he presents with on certain things, they, those kids are probably worthy of a badge in the day and age we live in now. So, so what do I do uh, with this worry, with this rage, with this anger? Um, because on one hand, right, I'm fighting the flash forward pictures in my head of this darkness and this dystopia in the future for him by himself, solo, with no one there, with no one around, with him just on his own navigating the world by himself. That one keeps me up at night. But I also want, I've also rationalized away the flash forward of utopias where everything's great. You know, he's found love. He's got a family. He's doing X, Y, Z. Like, ah, I don't know the, the scale of possibilities there either. Do I, you know, hunker down and put on my coach hat and I train his siblings. I require them to, to perform roles above and beyond just being brother and sister. You also have to be his best friend. You also have to be his protector. You also have to be planning for him. You also have to include him in all of your future plans in life. I don't know if that's fair, right? I mean, are there books on this? Uh, maybe, probably. But honestly, one of the things we latched onto in the beginning of this adventure and this journey with a child on the spectrum is we do believe that once you meet one person with autism, You've only met one person with autism. They, they, they're not a monolith. They do not all present the same. They, they all do not have the same challenges. They all don't experience the world in the same way. So I, I don't know how much a book is going to be relevant. Um, the uncertainty is paralyzing, uh, especially when all of your body is screaming at you to act. And I know parents out there, like we all are trying to find what do I have to do in this job as mom or dad to make sure they're set up and they're good to go. I, mean, I don't think I've ever existed under the, the dream or the fantasy that I could make every day rainbows and sugar cookies and no strife. I don't think I don't think that I don't want that. But I also recognize the challenges that face him. You know, I really recognize the challenges that face all my kids. You know, I got a, a brown one, 
I've got a female in this world and I've got a special needs kid. So all my kids have challenges on the horizon. <sighs> but what, what am I to do with this specific one? Uh, and the question pops into my mind. Am I seeking out the comfort for me? Or am I really looking for a solution for Zavi? Um, is what we talk about as parents ways to find him? How do I go about finding him genuine relationships and friendships? Or am I just searching for people or places to lash out to to make myself feel better so then I can go back to worrying about basketball or whatever it is I'm doing that day? I, I, I hope it's the first. I hope it's the former. You know, I hope I'm trying to find solutions and strategies to help him get authentic friends. But I also realize I need some, I need some hope in my day too, um, which really leads me uh, to author Andre Henry in a chapter in a book of his I read that he did specifically on hope. And I find myself with grappling how to find that hope, um, not just on this topic of, of Zavi, um, but the world I inhabit in general. Like uh, he writes in there, hope doesn't mean we're sure about the future. Um, and, and Kip feels this because I am absolutely closer to the sure, surety of pessimism about the future than most people probably even listening. But, uh, you know, he also writes, hope, it is, hope is an embrace of the unknown and the unknowable. And it's an alternative to the certainty of both optimists and pessimists. And that one really resonated with me. And, and it, he goes on to say, one side, optimists, assume it will all be fine. So it allows them to be not doing anything. No, nah, it's going to work out. I'll just sit in an action. Another side thinks it's all going to fail. So what's the point in trying anything? Once again, in action. Uh, and as Andre Henry writes, both optimism and pep pessimism only, without hope, excuse yourself from action. And I'm, you know, everyone that knows me, I'm about that action, boss. I, I would rather work a problem than sit and stew with it. I refuse to not act. So do I have a little bit of hope? I don't know. Long story short, some of the, the solution and the steps we took, Kelly emailed his teachers not to say, hey, make these kids be friends with X. Nah, that's not it at all. We know these teachers. Kelly's been a teacher for 20 years now. You know, our families, our parents were educators and teachers. Um, I was a teacher for seven years. Like, I know these teachers are not at default for this, but I did want them and Kelly wanted them to be aware that his behaviors now might be more frequent if he's feeling this loneliness because, you know, he struggles to express it. I, you know, that's funny you, we say this because I would say, well, part of Xavier's uh, how autism shows itself in his behavior is how is he expressed? He doesn't know how to express his emotions. I mean, <laughs> holy shit, who does? Right. But I, I do think his behaviors will be more frequent if he's truly feeling this. You know, and I tried to sit him down and give him a couple of topics to ask kids about at the door line up in the a.m. that I drop him off at every morning. And maybe that would that might be more interesting to them, even though I know they're not genuinely for Zave. Zave loves the things he's into at the moment. He gets he does get into some ruts with things, but that's what he gives a shit about. And here I was trying to give him topics that I thought maybe the, the, the fifth grader in his class would respond to him with and maybe that would help. So was I gaslighting him or was I trying to help him? I don't know. So I dropped him off today. And as I drove away, he waved to me, smiled like Dave does, but I also noticed that he was standing all by himself against the wall while the other fifth graders were in a circle, you know, 10 yards away. And I got to tell you, that almost broke me. Like I almost just pulled, we live right across the street. I almost pulled back into my driveway, walked my ass up, grabbed my boy and went home with him and hugged him and gave him whatever the hell he wanted that day. I didn't, but I really wanted to. Um, I, I know those of you out there that are parents, you know, you can't protect them from hurt in this world, but God damn it. You want to try, 
God damn it, you struggle to find a way to make it easier. And what's the point of my lived experience? What's the point of all the things I've learned from? If they just got to go learn it themselves again, then what's the point of me being here? I see, I struggle with all these. I don't have the answer, everyone. Um, you know, I struggle with that for my players. You know, I, I struggle with what can I create to make the game easier for them? But can they truly be good at this game if it has to be the easiest version I present to them? No, they can't be. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I do know that when your son says, I don't have any friends, you feel it in your bones. And, you know, the people out there that know me and have my contact information, you got ideas, feel free to send it to me. People out there that know me and can feel this and you're also swimming in uncertainty, I'm with you. And sometimes you, you uh, are buoyed by the fact that other people are in the ocean of doubt with you. We're here. We're swimming. The Ions are right with you. Um, and I hope we can find answers together. And maybe, man, maybe at the end of the day, it's not for me to solve. Maybe it's for him to solve. And that's more powerful anyway. I don't know. I'm not sure everything in life anymore um, can be answered with a cliche or a, hey, we learned that. It's always awesome going forward. I don't know. I wish it for them. It hasn't been my experience, but I do wish it for them. Cross the stream. And that's that, y'all, for season six. Not for the, for the, for the pod. Absolutely not been doing this pod now for almost five years six seasons 184 total tracks almost uh, right at 20 this year um overall with this pod i'm happy man I, I know podcasting now is a crowded marketplace and a lot of times you are screaming at the ocean in the line of other people and, and hoping the seagulls will listen but that's okay honestly that's okay i do it a lot of times because i enjoy dialogue i do it a lot of times because i enjoy the release of speaking. I enjoy it sometimes to connect with friends or people I find doing interesting things. So all those things remain true with Cross the Stream since Kane and I started it uh, in 2016. We have almost 26,000 plays since then, which I, uh, both of us, you know, going back and looking on it, we wouldn't have assumed we were going to get that. I know that's a single episode for the Bill Simmons of the world, the Buttons of the world. But for us, the fact that we have folks that have listened to our tracks every single day ones we got some ogs out there shout out to them we got 24 25,000 plays awesome man that's great um you know i think my highlights from this if i would encourage you in the time that we're gone i'll probably give everybody three or four one-offs when something strikes me as important we love the holiday potpourri around the holiday times uh if something strikes me as important enough i you know I, i'm not afraid to get on here with the dishing on the drive so it won't be a 100% hiatus, but I won't be doing, you know, a season version until after our basketball season is done. I just got, I've got to dedicate the, the hours that I have and the brain power that I have to the three priorities in my life, right? The family, the program, and teams of men. Um, so, I, you know, the pod sometimes fit, finds its way in there, but it won't be a priority. I will say this. I hope everyone, if you get a chance... Go back through as if you're desperate for for uh, across the streams. Like how lucky would we be, right? If that was actually true. But if you did miss some of the things in this season, some things I was really proud of. I thought the Heather Bacon interview, the founder of Rivercrest Behavioral uh, in Eastern Oregon, is a great one. Uh, if you're looking for inspiration, 
and knowledge on mental health care for kids and families. Uh, it's, it's, you know, she's located here in Oregon, but I think it's an inspirational story about entre- entrepreneurship and impact entrepreneurship, making a difference and starting a business and something that can help people. Uh, I really like Jason Luchterhand's interview we did in episode four, the VP of sales for Up Health Inc. Fascinating journey, but also the, the work he's doing now. Um, I really enjoyed having Carolyn Curtis on the show. Um, she's an advocate for survivors, uh, told her story with a, a, so much authenticity and vulnerability, and she's continuing to do great things. She's been a loyal supporter of the pod and was happy to get her on. That was in episode 11, Carolyn Curtis interview. And I'll be honest with you, I enjoyed the, the three-part miniseries we did on Words Matter, episodes 12 through 14. I really enjoyed kind of putting back on my student hat. And going back through and researching a topic. So we research why does language matter? What are some typical ways language is used? And what are some new ideas of how language is used to move and change behavior? So for coaches, for teachers, for educators, for parents, I think those are really relevant. The Words Matter series. I, you know, I think we had a great calling men in segment with the alpha fallacy where we really dove into the science and tore down this concept of alpha maleism. Uh, that was eye-opening for me, but I really enjoyed sharing it because I think it can debunk some things and change some people's lenses of how they view it. Um, so those are some things I would, that was in episode 16. So those are some ones I would dive into as you wait for us with our one-offs coming up over the next couple months. But we'll start season seven again, probably February uh, timeline and, and looking forward to doing that. Cross the streams. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.